0: Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 83. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy. Today on the show, we are talking real estate, commercial real estate to be exact. I'm delighted to welcome the CEO and founder of Money360, Evan Gentry. Now, I've actually first met Evan back in 2010, or at least met him online, when he was just getting Money360 started. Now, they didn't actually launch till 2014. We'll talk into we'll talk about what happened there in the show. But he's been around this industry for, for a long time, and he decided to, that, that he would focus his business on commercial property. And it's a really interesting space. You know, they're still a relatively new company, but they are gaining traction, and I think they have something that is uh, is quite a compelling offering. And it's it's good to you know most of the companies in the space are focusing on you know, fix and flip properties. This is a, a way to diversify into a different type of real estate. And we talk quite a bit about the kinds of projects they're funding, how they've been able to get traction, and talk about their underwriting and their loan volume, and spend quite a bit of time on the investor side of their business. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Evan. Hey, thank you. Glad to be with you, Peter. Okay, so let's just get started. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background uh, before you you started Money360.
1: Yeah, you bet. Uh, Money360 is actually my third kind of major venture. My first company I started in college was a mortgage technology company where we would contract with banks and they would outsource their residential mortgage business to us. And so we started that in the late 90s, um, grew it up through kind of mid 2000s. Um, we had major, we were got to the point where we were originating you know, billions a year in terms of loan volume for clients like E Trade and Zions Bank and other regional and national banks in the US. And we had 50 bank clients by 2006. We sold the company to a spinoff of GE Capital in 2006. And then I stayed on for a year as the CEO of our group and then launched my second venture, G8 Capital. And G8 Capital is a real estate investment group that acquires distressed and non-performing real estate assets, primarily in the commercial real estate space. And so we were very active from 2007 to 2014. And then really started ramping up Money Three Hundred and Sixty in two thousand and fourteen. That's our primary focus today. Is what we're doing at Money Three Hundred and Sixty.
0: Okay, so I know that we we actually first communicated back in in two thousand and ten, and I actually remember, I was actually going back and looking at some of my you know, really the earliest blog posts uh, that I ever put on Lend Academy. We actually mentioned your company because it looks you were doing you did start something back then. And what, did you want to just tell us a little bit about the genesis? and the early days, and then it sounds like you came and, and relaunched, or just tell us what happened yeah. in, in that time period.
1: No, you bet. I've, I've been a, a big believer in, in peer-to-peer lending, which you know we now call, which we call it the marketplace lending, but since the very beginning, you know, strategically applying technology to the lending industry, in many cases replacing you know, unnecessary middlemen such as banks, investment banks, I believe can add incredible value to both the borrowers and the investors. So I... I originally launched Money 360 in 2010. At the point, at that time, we were the first kind of peer-to-peer real estate lending platform. Yep. Um, I was a I was a follower of what you were doing from the (laughs) really from the very beginning, and uh, we had some initial dialogue back then. But as you know, in 2010, the regulations were not the the timing wasn't right to scale the business. Regulations did did not allow us to market online, so we were limited, and we were following the counsel of our attorneys. We could basically only Market to our current investors and those that we knew, which was very limiting, and you know if we wanted to scale the business. So that you know the timing just wasn't right. And at GA Capital, we were very busy, 2010 to 2014, acquiring hundreds of millions of distressed assets from the banks, and so that kind of became our primary focus during that time. Mm-hmm. But by 2014, the distressed acquisition side of that business, you know, really slowed down. And I saw the opportunity to really jump in with my 360, and the regulations caught up to what we needed to do there with the Jobs Act. Right. And so it was just it was the right timing for us to jump in in, in 2014.
0: Okay. But I had the vision,
1: I had the vision all the way back in 2010 of the potential, right. and I'm a, a huge believer in the space.
0: I know, because I mean, at the time, that's I I wrote about it because it's the only real estate it was the only real estate offering available, and I always thought that yeah. this was a just a great. You know, it was a great fit for you know the peer-to-peer lending model, the marketplace lending model, yep. and, and real estate. And uh, yep. obviously, now we have we have a very different, very different uh, time. And uh, there's many, many yep. uh, platforms. So, so let's just go then. Let's just talk about Money Three Hundred and Sixty. Can you you explain? You know, just tell us exactly uh, what you do um what part of the market you're focusing on.
1: Yes. So we provide financing on commercial real estate properties, including like office buildings, industrial buildings, retail centers, hospitality, um, multifamily apartment complexes. Um, We do not do development loans. We do not do land loans. We focus on income producing commercial real estate properties. Um, Our loans are typically between 1 million and 15 million. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, we just, just this last week, we we closed a loan here in LA County for, it was a $10 million financing on office property. Um, They had a loan that was maturing and they needed to, they had a very short window. They had to get new financing. So we stepped in and provided that financing to them. But for the for the borrowers, we're offering, we have multiple products. We have our bridge loan product. Um, and then we also have some permanent loan products and, and we provide them a good opportunity to get new financing. And for the investors, you know, we're giving them an opportunity to invest in something that was previously not available to them from an investment perspective. And so we, you know, feel like we're creating great opportunity in the market, both for the borrowers and for the investors. Mm -hmm.
0: So are you like, like I guess I'm curious about how you think, I mean, obviously you are different in most of the real estate platforms are doing, you know, residential fix and flip or some sort of, you know, focusing on the bridge financing um, part of the business. And you're focusing on commercial properties. When you think about your business and the industry itself, what do you, what makes you different from, uh, from the other platforms, would you say?
1: Yeah, so we, although there's a lot of, I don't want to say noise, but a lot of players in the real estate sector, we are quite unique in what we do, in that we only provide first position or first lien debt on income-producing commercial real estate properties, mm-hmm. and we're laser focused on that. And we do it very, very well. Many of our peers are are different in that they, there are many that are primarily or exclusively focused on the, as you mentioned, the residential fix and flip market. I actually know that business very well at, at GA Capital we fixed and flipped about 4000 homes so I, that's wow. a, that's across <laughs> the country so I know that business I know that business very well we've done a lot of that I mean, it's not a bad business but the business of flipping homes is a bit fickle and the opportunities come and go with economic and housing cycles right. so we've chosen to focus on financing commercial real estate properties as, as we believe that this is a much more stable and long-term you know business model there's always a need for commercial real estate financing in both the up and down markets. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just have to adjust your underwriting and, and loan to value accordingly. Right. The last point I'll make on that in terms of how we're different from our, from our peers is I believe that, that we have the most experienced team um, in the space. You know, we're a technology enabled platform, but our team members, we have about 20, we, we average 20 to 30 years experience in the industry and in, in our specific areas of whether it's underwriting or technology, originations, and so we have a very experienced team, which I believe set us apart substantially from our, you know, from our peers.
0: Right, right. So then, and, and on that, I guess with G Eight Capital, did you do much commercial commercial property? You said you did direct distressed real estate a lot. Was was there much commercial yeah. in that?
1: Yeah, actually, the, the majority ended up being commercial. So with G Eight, we started in two thousand seven buying non performing residential loan portfolios. Then we moved into buying REO portfolios. A lot of it was from like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and from the major banks. Mm-hmm. But then by about 2011, we had transitioned to where we were primarily focused on non-performing commercial real estate loans. And so we we acquired, I'd say, about 400 million of non-performing commercial real estate loans between 2011 and 2014. And that's and, and the team I had developed by 2014, and we lost money to 360. Our team was primarily focused around commercial real estate loans, underwriting commercial real estate loans, acquiring them, doing workouts with these borrowers where necessary, you know, acquiring the distressed loans from the banks who had made very high loan to value, 90% loan to value loans, long-term loans. But, but during the great recession, you know, those banks obviously sold those loans and we were the you know very active buyer. Right. And so it was a very natural transition for a lot of our team members to move from the g8 focus to, to what we're doing at money 360 right
0: makes sense so you're only doing debt deals and you you're not doing equity at all
1: we do not do any equity deals yeah we are we are strictly doing debt and again that sets us apart you know from a number of others in the kind of the real estate crowdfunding space and all, I believe that there's a really good market for real estate crowdfunding on the equity side mm-hmm. but I have a pretty strong opinion about that I don't believe that the same platform should be doing debt and equity. I think they should be different platforms because when you have a scenario where a loan becomes non-performing, the interest of the debt investors and the equity investors are polar opposite in terms of what they want to do um, and achieve, so they become very conflicting in right. that circumstance. And if it's the same company that's representing both, um, I just I just foresee you know major potential problems in that scenario. Again, so you know, I like both models, but I think they should be separate. And again, we just focus on the debt side. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. So then can you give us a bit of a, you, know, you talked about this, the property in LA County, but can you give us some ideas of, of, of typically, you know, one to 15 million, I mean, are these, you know, what interest rates you're charging? What are the typical lengths yeah. of these loans?
1: Yeah. So we have, we have two primary products. Our first, the first one is our bridge loan product, which is they're typically one to two year terms. The majority are two year terms, the one to three year terms is the range that will go up to 65 to 70%. Loan to value. The rates are typically in the eight to ten percent range. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're north of ten, but typically in the eight to ten percent range. And that's a product that's you know typically syndicated to high net worth investors, family offices, um, hedge funds, as well as some institutional investors. And then our second product is a permanent loan product, which is typically five to ten year term. We'll go up to seventy five or eighty percent loan to value, and the rates are in the like four and a half to five and a half percent range and, and that's a product that we syndicate to banks and credit unions so we have both a bridge product and a permanent loan product that are syndicated to the various you know investors based on their their appetite. okay
0: okay so let's just talk about those uh, investors for a second you know you talked about the different types and obviously the four to five percent is going to attract a certain kind of investor that's different from a, an eight to ten yep. percent uh, offering. Do you, and I'm just curious about how you've kind of marketed yourself out there to the different kinds of uh, investors. Are these all people that, or all, in, you know, organizations from your G8 capital days, or are these, you know, people that you've really brought
1: in specifically for Money360? Yeah, very good question. So we we certainly were able to leverage many of our G8 relationships, both on the banks and then the institutional side, as well as on the you know, high net worth investor side. And that's, that gave us a good kind of launching pad as we, you know, started the business. But today the large majority of our investors are well beyond that initial group that we were able to leverage as we launched um, the business. So the permanent loans that are the four and a half to five and a half, I mean, that's, those are going straight to the banks and credit unions. Those those are loans that they would originate on their own, but they found that it's more efficient now to leverage a a marketer and and a platform like ours to originate that loan and then put it on their books, and in many cases they don't want the whole loan; they want a fractional component. So we'll syndicate those to four or five, you know, three, four or five different, you know, banks or credit unions. But the the primary product we're marketing to, you know, credit investors, family offices, hedge funds, is is the bridge product, which is you know the the eight to ten plus percent rate. And that's and we started off with a lot of my G8 original investors, but again that's gone far beyond far beyond that level at this point.
0: Okay. Cause yeah, cause on, on your website, you certainly, you make a play for individual investors. Um, it sounds yeah. like, and, you know, you, you can click on, you know, start investing and you yep. can, you can, you know, basically open up an account. You talk about, I think it was a $50,000 minimum. So is yep. this like how big of a piece of your business are these sort of individual accredited investors? It's actually
1: a big piece it's um, we I, I would say of all the loans we've you know, we, we funded about one hundred and forty million so far um it's about it's about thirty loans and I would say about half of what we funded approximately half has been through you know high net worth you know credit investors individual um, investors, and then the other half would be hedge funds, institutional funds um, mm-hmm. that are investing so we actually have a really good mix and in my view across crossed the the spectrum. We, there's certainly significant opportunity, and you know, it's particularly as we grow and scale rapidly to do a lot more with, with institutional investors that can scale and grow rapidly. But we, we get many new investors every day that come on the platform. We haven't done the the, the level of marketing that I think some of the others have done, but right. they're finding us. Our investors are coming and they're happy. And the, the biggest factor driving our success is actually word of mouth. And uh, we have a lot of investors that start with 50,000 or 100,000. And then they come back a couple months later and they put in 250 or, or more. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've seen a lot of, a lot. I mean, in fact, I would almost say more often than not, they, those that start with 50 or 100 end up coming back and doing more.
0: Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so let's just, let's just talk a little bit about the deals themselves. I mean, you, it sounds like you have resources that helps you source these deals. So can you tell us a little bit about how you find the deals that you want to put on your platform?
1: You bet. We, we, we certainly capture some business that comes to us online, including borrowers that will come to us directly seeking financing. Um, and that's a growing component of our business. But the majority of the loans we fund today are still coming through what I call somewhat traditional means. And that we, we have four full-time business development officers that are regionally located across the country that are out actively in the market. They you know they, these, guys, these guys have 25 to 30 years experience each. And so they're out very active in the market originating loans that are coming to us screening those loans and bringing them to us to underwrite here in our corporate office so so we have we have full-time dedicated business development officers that are finding quality deals out in the marketplace that they're bringing to us okay so then what what kind of regions are you focused on so we're, we're, we're national so we we do a lot in the West um, as well as in the south and then and then well, I'm gonna cover all the markets and then we do we don't do quite as much in the northeast. We do some of the northeast, we do a bit in the east, and then we've done a good amount in the Midwest. So we're we're we are really we're a national platform and if I look at our thirty loans, I I would imagine we're that's probably across more than a dozen states. So it's it's a national you know, we have a national footprint. There are some markets we like better than others, and so we're we'll underwrite them differently. You know, there's some that we'll avoid for particular reasons. And our background at G eight gave us the expertise and the relationships nationwide to be able to underwrite and analyze, you know, properties in locations that where we're not located. And that's that's given us a significant leg up that we can leverage our resources and our contacts with a lot of the, the national brokerage firms and, mm-hmm. and appraisers and others to be able to quickly get a good quality underwriting of an asset.
0: Right, right. And so let's just can we just talk about that for a little bit uh, as far as underwriting goes obviously these are large loans it's it's really important not to screw it up <laughs> I mean it's more it's, yep. it's you know one no one wants any loan to go south but you know if you've got right. you know if you've got one uh, you've got a big chunk of the multi-million dollar deal then you, yep. you really you, know, you one goes south you're in uh, you know that could really hurt your rotation because at this stage of your business so can you just tell yeah. us a little bit about your your underwriting process and how you go about that
1: yeah, we have a very we call it institutional quality and level of underwriting, comparable in many ways to the like CMBS or bank you know, level underwriting. And so we get all very thorough, detailed third-party reports. You know, if there's a MAI, MAI appraisal by a you know quality national firm. They'll do the appraisals. We'll do inspections. We'll, we'll get where necessary environmental reports so we, we go through, you know, of course, we underwrite the borrower. We'll go through all their background and detailed information. You know, with technology, one of the ways you can leverage technology is to, to be able to capture a significant amount of data very quickly to allow our underwriters to, to review and, and make decisions very quickly. And so we we'll go through a very traditional underwriting. And this is not, you know, there, there are other loan products where you can automate loan underwriting. I think in consumer loans, there's some, there's mm-hmm. the, you can be effective there. But with a commercial real estate loan, you know, particularly if it's a 5 or $10 million size loan, that's not something you're going to automate, but you can use technology to automate the collection of the data and the organization that allows our underwriters, you know, which have significant amount of experience, you know, to, to be able to sit down, and go through it, and, and make good quality decisions about what we're willing to do and what we're not willing to do. And and by the way, we turn down the large majority, you know, what what comes to us. We have significant volume coming in, but we're very picky about the loans that we that we choose to fund.
0: Right, right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So then, how long does this process take from the time that you know, you, uh, like a, a loan comes in the, in your door or from your website? I mean, how long does it take before uh, closing?
1: So the the quickest scenario is typically about three weeks. It's it's really driven by the third party reporting, with the appraisal, inspections, environmentals, and so you know the kind of quickest scenario is kind of three to four weeks um, that we can get a loan closed. We've had we've had exceptions where we've had circumstances where someone's come and they have a situation where they need to close a loan within two weeks or they're gonna have a significant loss on a property or lose a significant opportunity <laughs> right. and so you know we can then pay a premium to our third parties to to speed up that process so it is possible to do it so we've done we've done a couple loans in about two weeks but typically it's three to four weeks is the kind of the typical time frame from when they come to us until we're able to in you know, a position to close their loan which is in this day and age is actually very Quick, you know, banks uh, and you know, CMBS lenders will typically take as much as you know, three months to to underwrite and close a loan. So that's that's one of the reasons we do a lot of the bridge product that we do is because borrowers are willing to pay a higher rate just so they can get the loan closed in a matter of three or four weeks, as opposed to three or four months. Right, right. So is that
0: you, you mentioned banks before, and I'm just thinking about the interest rates you're charging. It sounds like you're particularly on your on your term loan product that you're pretty much competitive with the, on, on a rate basis with the banks. Is that
1: in- yeah? No, our, yeah, our permanent loan product is competitive um, with the banks, and, and the banks, I like think you know, due to regulation, both the banks and the, the CMBS market, the securization market, are going through major changes from due to regulatory factors that are causing them to pull back significantly in their lending. So the CMBS market's pulled back dramatically. And the banks are also pulling back with these new regulations, which are making a lot of loans that previously would go to those sources come to sources like us, you know, as, as alternative or marketplace lenders. And so there's really significant opportunities that are developing for all of us in the space because the the primary market is pulling back, you know, dramatically. But yeah, the permanent product that we offer is is competitive with the banks, and the bridge loan product is really really a unique, you know, product. There's, you know, there's in, these markets typically have their local, if you will, kind of hard money right. lenders. And we're able to provide a much better solution, you know, better terms, more professional, you know, solution than a lot of these regional players that previously provided to these, to these local borrowers. Right.
0: No, that makes sense. Okay. So then I'm curious about, you know, the real estate market has, you know, we all know about what happened in 2008, you know, yep. actually even before then, but, you know, that's when it really... Yeah, you know, really caused problems. Yeah, you know, we all know it's cyclical. Yeah, you know, where, like, I guess, I guess, I'm curious to know from your perspective. I mean, you've been buying distressed loans. I mean, right now the economy's chugging yep. along. They're talking about potentially increasing interest rates uh, shortly. Yep. Where do you think we are in the cycle? And um, you know, what are you? What's your feeling? Uh, you know, in the comm- you know, focused on the commercial
1: real estate, to yeah. in the securitization yeah. market. Where? What can you tell us about where we're at? Well, we've seen. Well, the, the last down. Turn was obviously more significant than anything that we've seen in a very long time, mm-hmm. and so I think it's not unusual that, that we've had a significant run up, but it, you know we have had now six or seven years of increasing you know valuations and prices in both residential and commercial properties so so i I think I believe that we're getting toward the top end of this cycle i I don't know if it's going to peak next month or next year or in two or three years, but I think we're getting near the top part of the cycle, which is actually why I believe the product that we're offering in terms of offering a low loan to value debt product is the right product in the, at this point in the cycle. And even when the, when the cycle is going down and, and the reason I'm cautious about equity is, you know, if you make an equity investment, then you're in a first loss position. So mm-hmm. if you have a $10 million property and the, and the property drops by a million dollars in value, then that's a million dollars wiped out for those equity investors. But we're, we we would have come into that $10 million, you know, property with a, a six or seven million dollar loan. And so there's significant room in terms of values coming off before it impacts any dollar of our principal. And so we're we're very cautious in how we underwrite. In fact, one of the reasons we've chosen this kind of 60 to 70 you know percent loan to value as an average place for us is during the downturn, the last downturn, 2008 to twenty twelve, commercial real estate values dropped about twenty-five percent. And so we kind of look at that as a gauge of you know kind of what what the possibility is. We don't predict that type of a downturn this next time. But uh, but even if we were to experience that, we'd feel we'd be safe based on the type of loans that we're making.
0: Right, that makes sense. So I, I, I guess what so even from your perspective, you know a downturn is not necessarily going to hurt hurt your business. I and mean, you might have you might have some loans that uh, go into arrears or even potentially even foreclose. But if you know you, I feel like you sound like you're confident that. Despite whatever the market does, your business is going to you know to be fine and keep growing.
1: Correct, and that's and again, that's why we've chosen this asset class. You know, I think the fix and flip market they will experience some different things during an economic downturn than than what you see with you know commercial real estate. So we've we very strategically have chosen this asset class, looking at it from the long term and the long view. Our objective and goal is to be the, the biggest you know player in, in the you know commercial real estate marketplace space and so we're that's our focus and our objective and we're taking the long view and how we achieve that and what's you know even when you have loans you you think about non-performance it's not a matter of if the loan doesn't perform it's a matter of when there are going to be loans that that don't perform even in perfect economic conditions and even with perfect underwriting you can't control borrowers or outside circumstances so the key is when you have a loan that doesn't perform you know compared to a consumer loan that's usually a full write-off but with a real estate loan we can go in, foreclose, take the property, and, and we'll almost always make more money on a foreclosed loan than we will if they had performed. Now, certainly we're trying to make loans that we hope and expect will perform. But then the nice part of a scenario where we do have non-performers is we'll typically make you know more money in that scenario. And the most common scenario is we have significant leverage. Most of them have personal guarantees. There's a lot of equity above our loan. Mm-hmm. So typically they end up coming back and, and curing their default with us, paying default interest, paying penalties, and using their you know another debt provider or equity to to pay us off, or to or to come current. But it's you know we're in a we're in a very good position in even within the downturn scenario.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just want to go back to the investor side because I notice here on your website you you talk about a professionally managed fund. Can yeah. you? I'd like to actually. Uh, you know, to to hear a little bit about that because obviously not everyone wants to go and invest in uh, you know, properties one by one. So, yeah. what can you tell us about this
1: fund? Yeah, so so we found, and this is this was very heavily driven by our investors who really liked the product we were offering. But they there were a number of them that didn't want to go in and underwrite loans. You know, we provide all the diligence information; that you go in and look at the loan and decide to make a fifty or hundred thousand or five hundred thousand dollar investment. But they, and so as we talked to them, they. The direction and input we got was, you know, the benefit of a fund would give them diversification across numerous loans, you know, and, and across numerous geographies, property types, borrowers. And so we saw significant advances in, in creating a loan fund. And so we, we actually tested this in uh, in 2015 and had to create a small fund that was successful that was a closed-end fund. And so earlier this year, we launched a, an open-ended fund that is our one of our primary focuses in terms of raising money to fund loans. And so, so far this year, we've, we've raised about 35, raised it to where we have about 35 million that's deployed in that fund today. And we have about another 30 million committed to come in over the next month or two. And uh, we anticipate growing that fund to uh, a couple hundred million in 2017. And it's a, it's a, again, it's very attractive for investors because they have the ability to come in and invest in a fund that's, you know, making commercial real estate loans and you get that diversification across you know, entire portfolio of loans as opposed to one, you know, individual loan.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, is there a minimum on that fund? Is it the fifty thousand as well for that, or is it, it, it correct? Yeah, correct. It's also fifty thousand. Yeah. Okay. And what about fees? Um, are you are you taking management fees, for performance fees, or what are you doing?
1: Yeah, so probably don't want to go into too much on the podcast, sure. but we can uh, certainly go through with each individual you know investors that contact us. But it's very very minimal. The fees. We 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 do charge a one percent loan servicing fee to to service the loans and to manage them, but, but the fees are actually fairly minimal and right. and very attractive to the investors.
0: Sure, and, the, and and so those service fees obviously apply, you know, to the individual investor uh, or, or the fund. I mean, you'd have you'd have that same correct. fee structure for the investors,
1: right? Yeah. So we correct, and we tried to structure the fund in a way that it it wasn't, you know, it was comparable you know, to what they would do if they're investing in loans directly. So it's just so it's not, there's not a disincentive to, to invest in the fund. We try to make it very, very attractive to, to investors. Right. Okay.
0: Okay, great. Well, we're almost out of time, but before I let you go, I would like to know what um you, know, you you talked about. You want to be the biggest, you know, the biggest in the space. I mean, you've, you've done 140 million now. I mean, what's, what do you have on tap for, for
1: 2017? Yeah. So we anticipate with, with our pipeline growing it, we, we, we spent the last, you know, 12, 15 months, really laying a solid foundation, putting the right team in place so that we can scale quickly. And we've now just in the last couple of months really launched kind of the scale uh, mode for us. And so we anticipate funding, you know, between 250 and 300 million in 2017, we'll grow this fund substantially and continue to continue to grow and and have success. We've been able to accomplish considerably more than a number of our peers with a lot less equity than than others have have had to bring in to, to be successful. We do anticipate doing a have kind a of small to medium equity raise in uh, the first quarter of mm-hmm. 2017, and uh, and they continue to scale and grow from there. But we're, you know, our objective is to grow within the next couple of years, get to where we're originating at least a billion a year um, in loan volume. And, and between, including myself and and our president and others, numerous of, of us have already done that in prior ventures and companies. And so we've done it before. It's not our first rodeo. We know we can do it again. So just try to take the right steps to build the right quality, you know, long term firm.
0: Okay. Well, on that note, I wish you the best of luck and I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Evan.
1: Thank you, Peter. Thank you very much for taking the time. It's been my pleasure.
0: See ya. I have personally become more interested in real estate uh, this year and I think I've done some investments. We've obviously featured some more real estate platforms on the blog. And while this is obviously not investment advice, I cannot provide that uh, in this format, but each person has to consider their own options. But for me, I like investing in different kinds of companies different kinds of offerings ways that you know I couldn't invest in couldn't invest in by myself um, you know for example a 10 million dollar building That's no way that I could, you know, a $10 million loan for a building. There's no way I could actually do that and uh, make that, make that part of my portfolio. But by going with um, a platform like Money360, that becomes possible. And so I think having a diverse set of investments, not just within each asset class, whether it be unsecured consumer loans or small business or real estate, but different kinds of different sub-asset classes, I think is is really important. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. Uh, I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye.